ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about horrible things, as is implied by the name, Horrible Things Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, my name is Emma, and today I am joined by... Chase and... Harley. Yes. Yes. And... Chase, you've been on the podcast before. Yeah, you were like on two or three times. Yeah, you were on Ted Bundy and Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah, but Harley, this is your first time on the pod. Yes, it is. I just wanted to ask you a question that we usually ask everyone who comes on the podcast. Uh, what is your level of knowledge when it comes to true crime? Are you interested in it? Have you read a lot about it? Is it something you know a lot about, or is it just something that kind of you've heard of before but you're not very interested in well i've definitely heard of it i'm on this podcast uh i know everything that emma has told me which is kind of a lot which is a lot but i'm also not incredibly interested in it either but you've listened to i've listened to two of the podcasts i well both the ted bundy's and you've heard a few episodes i think of some other true crime podcasts just from yeah being in the car and whatnot yeah, yeah you, that's right. You sh- you've played other ones, yes. Yeah. Listening and to your own podcast. Not mine. Yeah, oh, other okay. She'll podcasts. just turn on her podcast. I can't and listen, listen to, to my own hours. voice. It's so bad. I when I'm editing, I'm just kind of sitting there like slightly cringing over and over again because I'm like, oh no. Yeah, just Time so you guys know, um, Emma and Harley are dating, so that's their awkward. What? That's not <laughs> true, actually. Uh, she just found me on the street. And I was walking the streets at night, and that she she finds interesting people at night, so she grabbed me and pulled me in. All right. So and I mean, now he's here. There's two ways to get on the horrible podcast. The horrible, the horrible th- podcast. The horrible oh, podcast. Shit. It's uh, both start by walking around at night. You can either walk around at night, and Emma will find you and bring you in for the podcast. <laughs> She's gonna pick you up, and you're or in her Prius. In something, my horrible things. Something mobile. horrible things. Prius. Some horrible thing will happen to you, and then you'll just be the content of the podcast. Yeah, pretty much. I would try to avoid the latter. That is for sure. Yeah, but feel free to just walk around at night. I'm not gonna give that advice because, as you'll find out, our murder today actually happened to someone while they were walking around at night. So. <gasps> Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing that. But, um, okay. So, with that, we're just going to get right into the podcast and we're going to today be discussing the murder of Catherine Genovese, who is also known as Kitty Genovese. That's what she preferred to go by, is Kitty. So, just before we start, this case is. Anne Hathaway. Yeah, she's actually. This is actually Anne Hathaway's. Um, this is. This name, is Anne Hathaway. Her real name. Yes. So, this murder actually changed a lot of things, not just in uh, police work and just in general for obviously a lot of people, but it changed uh, some things in psychology and has brought up a lot of concepts that we use today. People sometimes read about this murder in textbooks because it was very important to um, psychology as well as helping our modern day police work get a lot better. So I want to first of all talk about the bystander effect, which is the term that was coined and is often uh, put side by side with this case. So just to give a definition, 
The bystander effect refers to the idea that people are less likely to intervene in an emergency situation if they believe there are other people around them who will take action. So when people basically say that, like, oh, well, if you're driving by a car accident and you're like, oh, somebody probably already called the police. Mm -hmm. That's basically what the bystander effect is. And this case actually helped to make that concept accepted in psychology. And unfortunately, it also makes this one of the more tragic cases I've ever heard about. So it's like pushing off of responsibility. Yeah. They talk about it sometimes but like as... justifying it somehow. Yeah. They talk about okay. it sometimes as like a diffusion of responsibility. Just people avoiding thinking they have to do something because they're like, oh, somebody else probably did it. But then everyone thinks that. So then it can lead to done. tragic events. Yeah. Which is, I'm sure we've all done that before, you yeah, know? Yeah, definitely. And like this kid was getting never. bullied at my school, and um, I just watched it happen. I'm kidding, but it's definitely a. He was a watching problem. me bully a kid. <laughs> it's definitely a problem because there's the drop in the bucket problem in econ when there's like a free item that everybody goes up and takes something, but you uh you can donate if you want so everybody assumes that they will donate one person will donate but nobody will actually donate because everybody assumes everybody else will similar to this well, well, yeah that's for in sure. that they see a benefit to themselves by taking right yeah yeah so in this it's more so just it's like, people are kind of do, this is more just take? like not intervening to not waste time or just because the time is like the money and yeah exactly for the yeah so let's set the scene for this crime. The date is March 13th, 1964 in Queens, New York. Catherine Kitty Genovese, Jev oh my gosh, this is so hard to say. Harley, you were saying that, Harley was saying, I was saying it perfectly this whole time. And then Harley was like, Genovese. I can't say that name. It's. Genovese. That Genovese. is it. Okay. Yeah. So it's Catherine. Like the people from Genovia. How's that so hard? Genovese. You know what? I'm going to smack you from across this table. She can't reach me. <laughs> I can't. She has little arms. I do. <laughs> My arms are shorter than they it's should like a be. T Rex. <laughs> yeah. If you guys saw me in real life, I have tiny arms. Um. We have we have to Photoshop her in pictures you've seen. <laughs> we stretch, uh, out, we her stretch arms. out her arms. For That's the why ideal you might see her, body. Yeah. You might see her shoulders a little higher up because of the stretch marks. From stretching my arms so much. Yeah. Yes. Not in Photoshop. Yeah. In Photoshop. Okay. <laughs> Chase and I do that. That's yeah. why I do podcasts. I can't have anyone seeing my yeah. short arms in, in videos. <laughs> okay. So. March 13th, 1964, Catherine Kitty Genovese was a bartender in New York who was managing a lot of stuff in this bar. And she often worked double shifts because she was actually trying to save up enough money to open an Italian restaurant of her own in New York. So although she lived in New York, the rest of her family had moved to Connecticut a few years earlier after her mother witnessed a murder on the streets. Was she Italian? New York. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So her mother witnessed a murder in New York, and then after that, their whole family moved to Connecticut. Except so was she for Kitty. second generation American? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Oh, but I'm not sure. So, first of all, that is terrifying. The fact that some just talking about one family that's been through a lot. This poor mother of Kitty, who not only will eventually lose her daughter, but has also had to witness another murder while she was still living in New York. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, like the, what are the odds of that happening? I just wonder. 
So on the night of March 13th, Kitty Genovese was arriving home from work around 3.15 a.m. when she was actually attacked. Kitty started running toward the front of her apartment building when she saw a man coming out of his car approaching her with a hunting knife. And he chased, uh, yeah, which is not not a little knife, you know? That's, yeah. yeah. It's a, you think that's a knife. <laughs> so he chased after her, and Kitty was stabbed twice in the back. She screamed for help, yelling that somebody had stabbed her. She was right in front of her apartment building, and even though several people heard her, unfortunately, at this point, only a few people realized that it was actually the sound of a person being attacked. So nobody called the police. Did no one understand her? Yeah, did nobody? I'm being stabbed. I'm being stabbed. Being stabbed? I think it was more that the people that heard it didn't think that it was the sound of an attack happening. They just thought it was... So like a yell, and no one cared to uh, check it out further. So you no know? one could hear what she was saying. Not no one, because there were some people that did. And this is where the bystander effect. This comes is in. kind of where you start to see that bystander effect. So a neighbor named Robert Moser reportedly screamed out of his window, "Let that girl alone!" Which caused the attacker to run off. However, however, this is kind of the crazy part of that. No one came down from their apartment building to help Kitty at this oh point. Gosh. Not even the guy who yelled? No. No one came down to help her. And why, she's why got would you two just stab yell? wounds. I don't know. I mean, it did something. Maybe fear of the person of going down the there. The guy ran. So some of the neighbors actually at this point claim to have called the police, but the New York police never found any record of these calls. The police it never just happened. thought someone else would do it. <laughs> that's the bystander effect the too. police is part of the bystander effect <laughs> oh no so at this point kitty is laying on the ground stabbed outside of her apartment building and she starts to crawl toward the back entrance of her apartment building which is out of view of the people who are actually living in the apartments because where she was before she was kind of in front so people could see out their windows okay but as she was trying to get to the closer entrance she kind of shifted out of view of a lot of the apartment buildings So, witnesses weren't able to see much, but what they did see, what a couple of people did see, is that the white car, which had driven away when Robert Moser yelled out of his window, came back. Was it windowless? No. Okay. The white car came back 10 minutes later. Oh, God. And he, the killer was trying to conceal his face. Uh, now, which he hadn't been before, so basically he just left, found something to conceal his face, and came back. And the attacker started searching for Kitty through the parking lots, and eventually found her bleeding, laying beside the entrance to the apartment building, which had been locked. So she was unable to get into her apartment, and no one had come down to help her after she'd been stabbed. Is there a reason that um, the killer had like targeted Kitty? I'll get into that a little later okay. that's that's just potentially he, he more terrifying back, i think it was because he didn't want to leave someone who saw his face alive that close up okay but still it's yeah it's very very strange and he stabbed kitty 12 more times near this back side of the apartment raped her and stole her money from her before leaving her by the side of the apartment building whether anyone heard any of this that was happening, they certainly couldn't see it because she wasn't in front of the apartment building anymore. 
but whether anyone heard it is very unclear. But we do know that there was one woman, the only person who came down to help. She heard, she's the, the only person we know for sure heard Kitty screams the second time. Mm-hmm. And Sophia Farrar uh, came running down the stairs and she found Kitty. And she w- grabbed her and started screaming for someone to call the police. And so someone finally called the police. And a few minutes later, they arrived on the scene. They put her in the ambulance. But Kitty died in the ambulance due to asphyxiation because one of the stab wounds had stabbed her lung. So, oh, my gosh. So she died on the way to the hospital with only that one person who came down to help her. So fairly shortly after her death, this kind of became a big thing in the media. She was getting national attention because the New York Times had an article that came out, which the headline was like the headline headline was 38 bystanders uh, hear woman dying and do nothing about it. That's basically the what the headline says. Did 38 people actually hear it? No. Okay. No. So over time, it's come out that the number was actually exaggerated. 38 people wasn't actually true. Yeah, but still, there was probably a lot of people that still heard it, though. Yeah. And the author of the piece said today, like more recently, that they needed to sensationalize it because they wanted to get across the message of if you see something, say something. Yeah. And although the number is too high, kind of like what we were saying, it's definitely true that several of the neighbors heard Kitty screaming for help, but thought people who did hear it thought it was a domestic dispute. So they didn't do anything. Okay. They, some people thought it was a domestic dispute, so they didn't do anything. It's still a big deal. So you don't call anything when it's a domestic Yeah. If somebody's getting domestically violated, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sarcastic. It's cool. So that's already kind of ridiculous on its own. And Wait, so how many people actually heard it? They don't know an exact number. They do know that two neighbors saw it. Oh my gosh, and they didn't do anything? Robert Moser saw it happen and then screamed. Well, he's yeah, he's the but one. But then he yelled. didn't go down and to then help, go down. you know. Okay. And then there was another neighbor actually, uh, who Carl Ross is the name of this other neighbor who was the main kind of piece of the New York Times article. Carl Ross was kind of drunk that night and he came home and he heard noises and he opened his door to kind of see what was going on and he saw Genevieve laying on the ground and she was still alive and she was being stabbed when he saw her being he he was being stabbed and what what did he do what did he do when he saw this poor woman being stabbed by this man he shuts the door passed out Oh my gosh. He shuts the door and he calls his friend and is like, what should I do? And the friend advises him not to get involved. So What a good friend. So he shuts the door and he stays inside. And later when he's asked, why didn't you do anything? He says, quote, I didn't want to get involved. And that wow, became kind of the quote that everyone would use to talk about the bystander effect. It's just... I didn't and, want to And get he involved. responded with, you do you. <laughs> it's just oh so ridiculous to me that he saw her being stabbed, literally watched her being stabbed repeatedly, and is like, well, none of my business. Yeah, that's That doesn't terrible. make sense to me. Because I feel like even though he was slightly intoxicated, like seeing someone get stabbed, he fear. had enough knowledge yeah. to call <laughs> his friend. Like, get out of here. <laughs> but he had enough he was sober enough to call his friend and ask, what should I do? Mm-hmm. 
you know? No, so that's it's not, like, that's drunk's not hardly an excuse. And he didn't even call the police. That's the thing. If you're too scared to go in yeah, and get involved say, you yourself. call your friend or the police. Yeah, exactly. So why? It makes zero sense to me. So. But 911 would have been easier to call. Wink. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that a little later. <laughs> but um, initially, Kitty's girlfriend was the main suspect in the murder. But six days later, a man named Winston Mosley was arrested for robbery in Queens. And the stolen thing, the stolen goods, like the TV that he stole, was found in the trunk of his white car. And detectives recalled a white car had been seen at um, the scene of Kitty's murder. Oh, Winston. So... Paint your car next time. Yeah. <laughs> they basically bring Winston in for robbery. And then they're like, did you kill kitty genovese and he doesn't put up any sort of fight he doesn't try to deny it at all he confesses to not only the murder of kitty genovese but also a woman named annie may johnson what the hell and a 15 year old girl named barbara kralik and i read in the article too you might have this but he's married with kids right yep married with three kids that's awesome and he confessed a to a number of other rapes and robberies how in the does area. he have three kids and do that they said it was especially strange because he had no priors but he confessed to 30 to 40 robberies oh my at gosh. least three other rapes and then three counts of murder was there any other proof of him being he at the knew to at the robberies yeah at the robberies Not no the they movie. didn't they didn't really look into all those other robberies but he confessed to it so they i guess they didn't really need to look into it that much and he had details from the three murders that he couldn't have known unless he was there so that's basically how they knew that it was him on the murders you know that's really um i'm guessing this is the first time he got caught right yeah because he had nothing on any of on his he was literally just living out this criminal life until the first time he got caught he was because it's so weird that he admitted everything just on this it's one like time. reverse batman I don't, I don't really know much about the batman no, he like goes out at night and he does bad things instead oh. of good things it's just strange because i feel like usually people that commit murder especially people that murder three people it's like usually they have a long list of priors of like robbery assault or like Grand Theft Auto, and this guy, know. and this guy kind of does have that with the robberies, but but none of it had been caught. But, yeah, yeah he, he he'd gotten off. I just hate the fact that he's literally married with kids. It's kind of freaky, isn't it? Yeah, you have to. That's four lives you ruin psychologically, and of course, the people he actually murdered. Well, then financially, probably. <laughs> yeah, and you kind of asked this in the beginning, but in his confession to Kitty's murder. He talks about leaving his home late at night uh, and kind of leaving his wife. And he would go out in his car and just go searching, driving around, searching for victims in Queens. It was totally random. Was when he, asked why he, he like wanted mentally to do Ill? it. Yes. Oh, actually, no, here, answer. In say a what way. You're about to say. Okay, so he, he goes searching for victims in Queens, mm-hmm. right? The, he said that there was no reason that he wanted to do it except to kill someone. That was genuinely the only reason he was going out is he said to kill a woman is why he went out that night. And so he he sees Kitty on her way home and he's just like, okay, she's the one. And he started following her and he followed her to her apartment building until he had the chance to attack her, 
which to me makes it almost more scary because there's zero rhyme or reason for why Kitty was a victim. It, it was, was just it wasn't like a hair color thing. It wasn't a nope. skin pigment. That's, yeah, that's terrifying. That's literally anybody who could do that. Yep, and just walking around, wrong place, wrong time. And did you say this guy's sane or he was um found to be insane, but he was extremely smart. When they tested him, he had an IQ of 135, which is like insane, insanely smart. But he was also insane, just plain insane. Yeah. So that was so much rhyming in one sentence about insanity. I'm a little no, concerned. you were just saying insane. But it was pretty pretty strange like we're talking about he had no criminal history a wife three kids and a stable job how old were his kids and what did he do for a living he was only in his 30s and he just had gosh he i believe he was 30 when he started murdering people or 29 how old were his kids when he started young yeah and he had just a stable blue collar job he worked um I think he was, he used to repair those machines that people would use to clock in and out of their jobs, like to punch in. He was a blue collar worker of the epitome of blue collar working jobs, worker jobs. Yes. (laughs) So it's weird. Like we're talking about, it's really weird how that escalated and subsequent psychiatric tests because they did a bunch of tests on him. They wanted to see like, what's wrong with this guy? What is going on? And they, one of the things that they were able to confirm was that he was actually a necrophile. So he was, they think that there was a sexual component to the reason that he was killing all these women. And he did, like I said, he he did rape. He was crazy. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So in the actual trial, Mosley was only charged with the murder of Kitty and not the other two women. Or 40 robberies. Nope, just Kitty's murder. Okay. Weirdly enough. the one that he was originally brought in for? The that robbery, yeah. I think they did the murder trial first. Okay. So weirdly enough, one of the murders that he had confessed to, I said Barbara Kralik. Uh, someone else had also confessed to that murder. A man named oh Alvin Mitchell confessed to that murder. Did they know each other? <clears throat> yeah, that's the question. No, they didn't know each other. So police were unsure of whether or not to charge Mosley for that murder because they were like, okay, well, we're about to do another trial to charge someone else for this murder. So what's going on here? Like, so that's why they pretty much only went through with charging him for Kitty's murder. Mm -hmm. So at first he started off pleading just not guilty. He started off saying he was not guilty, which they realized pretty quickly obviously wasn't going to work because he already confessed and had said things that only someone who was at the scene of the crime would know. Uh So then they, during the trial, they changed to not guilty by reason of insanity. Wait, wait, wait. Is this... Um, so they plead insane. Yeah. Wow. Wait, insane by the necrophilia thing? No, just by, they just said that he was experiencing a mental breakdown and that's why he did it. And he had gone I, insane. I don't know how they can justify that. They just said that because he was, because of the test they did that said like he's a necrophile and they went through and just did psychiatric tests and then called him Med- medically insane uh. so he pled not guilty by reason of insanity and during the actual trial he would talk very freely about the murders and other crimes that he committed 
something that he didn't did have he at seem all was proud. Wrong. He had zero remorse. But did he seem proud of it? No. Oh, okay. Not proud, but not remorseful. Very, very self-centered. Like very level-headed. Basically, was he like Ted You're Bundy? Saying, did he like want the no. attention from it? No. Isn't there? An, there's another serial killer that did that where. They would speak about it, but they were proud of it with no remorse. Yeah, a lot of serial killers were like that, but this guy was just, Did this guy he just have had any... no remorse. He just had no connection to reality, it seemed like. He could. So, he seemed so, very narcissistic. I don't think he was a sociopath. I think he was a narcissist, that's for sure. And I think he probably was insane to some degree. So Wow. Yeah. So the jury deliberated for seven hours before sentencing him to death. The judge presiding over the court on that day said these words, which I love so much. Uh, He said, I don't believe in capital punishment, but when I see a monster like this, I wouldn't hesitate to pull the switch myself. Holy shit. Doesn't that sound like that sounds like a TV show? Yeah, I know. (laughs) What? That's crazy. He stole that from some like he must have a list of those underneath his desk. Like that's way too good to come up on the spot. Grabs one. Uh, They say that after he had um, been sentenced to death, people say that he had almost no reaction. He seemed perfectly calm, like he didn't care whatsoever. I don't think this guy had really any. Sense of emotions. So, okay, did he have no emotion or did, was he just not, could he not sympathize in any way? I don't, I don't know. I, it's very strange to me because obviously he had kids and he was very, it it honestly seems more like something happened and some sort of personality. He didn't have split personality, but it's just very strange because people said that. It was very much a spectacle in the court because he had zero reaction, but people who were in the court were like standing up and applauding and cheering oh when he got sentenced to death. And the judge was saying that like it w- people were very, very excited that this person had been sentenced to death, which I don't blame them for because clearly he was a monster. Yeah, literally a murderer. They probably all the people there probably knew some of the victims. And- yeah, or just you can kind of relate to it's this girl who's trying, she's yeah. young and by herself in this city and she's trying to make things work for herself. Everyone has a daughter, sister, or mom. Yeah. That they, uh, they could, they having emotions would be able to attach yeah. to the girl. So after this sentencing, a New York court of appeals found that he was indeed insane and they lowered his sentence from uh, de- the death penalty to life in prison, which. I mean, yeah, I'm, whatever. It's just... It's so life. Yeah. You just pull the lever yourself, Mr. Judge. <laughs> so... <laughs> Take justice in your own hands. You would think that that story's already crazy enough from going from the bystander effect and having all that craziness about people really just standing there and letting this woman die, kind of, mm-hmm. and to this guy being very strange and all these spectacles in the court, but it gets crazier i when i was researching this i was like there's no way this can't all be real but he's in prison right now he he goes to prison okay and then on march 18th 1968 this man escapes from prison (laughs) wait 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 wait. what year is it uh he killed her in 1964 and Mm. now fast forward we're in 1968 so he's been in prison for four years okay 
He escapes from prison. Is prison security that bad? Because it's no. literally a concrete box. No. He purposely <laughs> inflicted an injury on himself. Okay. Oh, so he went so to then medical. he went to the hospital. And on the ride back from the hospital, he clocked the guard in the face. No. Stole his weapon and fled. Oh, my gosh. So he's in New York and he's out of prison. And he finds this empty home where he manages to stay there for three days. How do you find an empty, empty home in New York? Honestly, I do not know. What year was this? Four years after? In this in 1968. 1968. I guess it's... It was yeah. in a more rural area. Yeah. I'm fairly okay, certain. Okay. So he finds this house where he manages to stay there by himself for New, three days. New York State or city? State. Okay, yeah. He could be close. He could be in the like suburbs. What is the suburbs now? That's probably more rural. So he stays there for three days, totally fine. And then on the fourth day, the couple comes home. So Mosley attacks them. He ties them up and he rapes the woman oh in this couple gosh. at their home, which is awful. That's and so, so he flees their house and he finds another home where he holds a mother and a daughter captive for two hours before he releases them. Strangely, he doesn't do any harm to them. Why would he release them? I don't know. I'm wondering if part of me wonders if maybe it had some connection to him missing his own kids. And his wife, or but I, I really don't know. It's very strange. You'd have to have emotions. There definitely is sympathy there, but all the stuff that he's gotten done so far just makes it seem like he's so insane that he does wouldn't even have that in the first place. Yeah, and it's very strange just because he he didn't hesitate to just rape someone, and that's one of the worst crimes you can do. And he there's like hard no hesitation to that, but then he lets these two people go and gets himself recaptured when he probably could have stayed on the run a lot longer, which is very strange to me. But um, he is he holds him captive, then releases them, and he's recaptured and brought back to prison. And he's given 30 more years on top of his life sentence for that. Wait, wait, wait. 30 on top of life? So, yeah, so yeah. when he dies, they're going to revive him <laughs> and then wait. make him stay in jail for another 30 years. He just throws his corpse for another 30 yeah, years. Yeah, they do that. <laughs> I think it's just to be dramatic, but you can get like five life sentences. It's like, it's so that there's no way you're getting out. Even though he escaped prison already. Yeah. Like legally getting out. Well, strangely, he was still eligible eligible for parole twice. He goes back to prison, and weirdly, he gets his BA in sociology while he's in prison. Sociology? How did sociology? Yeah. Did he get? I guess he just got it for free. But no, prison has a lot of free classes. That's dumb. But it's strange because I always find it weird how these killers tend to major in things like psychology, sociology. Like they major in like study of human behavior yeah, I, a lot I of feel, times. I think they're really wound up in themselves because this guy seemed perfectly he was very smart but the acts that he did that it must have been motivated motivated by something in his head that he couldn't just explain to anybody else yeah and part of me also wonders if maybe it's like these people who can't really understand emotions Mm -hmm. they take these classes to study emotions so that they can get better at like they can uh, so they can understand from somebody else's intellectual point yeah exactly because they can't experience it themselves Uh uh-huh that's yeah. scary. So, That's kind of scary. It is a little scary because Ted sense, Ted Bundy though. got a degree in psychology. He was a psychology major. Yeah, Ted Bundy was smart too. Yeah. Yeah. So. So just don't befriend smart people. 
don't befriend anyone that's getting a psychology. If you know somebody who's yeah. a psych major, just dip that's out. that's don't, like one of the most don't walk majors. alone with them at night. <laughs> but um, oh, no. <laughs> while he's in prison, he becomes eligible for parole in 1984. But his parole was rejected because he showed absolutely no remorse for the crimes that he had done. He was even quoted saying this in court. This makes me so mad. For a victim outside, it's a one-time or one-hour or one-minute affair. But for the person who's caught, it's forever. Oh, poor guy. Talking about people who Said are murdered. no one. Victims of murder. He's saying, it's one time, it's one hour, it's oh one minute. Gosh. But for me who got caught, it's forever that I have to be in jail. I'm like, screw you. Oh, my God. Screw you. That person is dead forever and their family is going to mourn them for the rest of their lives. Screw yeah, you. You get a guy. rope. He did not deserve to get out of jail. That is for sure. No. So th- I'm glad that they rejected his parole, but it honestly just shows that not under- not having any awareness of reality of what is going on. To just did say that. Did he have some sort of traumatic thing happen to him when he was a child or Not that I could find. Was he just He was determined medically insane. So that could also be it. Just having zero What, what did he have? What? They just said medically insane. So he's just insane. Yeah. That sounds like they're trying to opt out of something. Yeah, that kind of seems like lazy work. Yeah, like eh, yeah, he's crazy. Well, he was a necrophile, and I'm, I'm, he might have been a sociopath, to be honest. Just based on the fact that it seems like he doesn't have any remorse for his crimes and doesn't understand the emotions of human beings. Yeah. At all. And they they could classify him. So he could have been very high on the sociopathic spectrum. You know. So high they couldn't detect it. (laughs) Yeah. So he was eligible for, eligible for parole yet again in 2008, but again showed absolutely no remorse for the crimes that he had committed. So he was denied parole both times. Good. On March 28, 2016, he died in prison after serving 52 years. And then they brought him back to life and they made him <laughs> serve another 30. He was 81 years old when he died and he he was known as having one of the longest sentences ever served in a New York prison. He was in there pretty much longer than almost all of their inmates. He was in there for 52 years. Holy shit. Record setter. So, although Kitty's death was absolutely a tragedy, there's no denying that because she was just this girl trying to live her life. She was only 28 years old. Did it for no reason. Yeah. So, obviously, it's tragedy, uh, but her Case is cited, like we talked about a little bit before, as evidence and is a main inspiration for research into the idea of the bystander effect and how to kind of combat that. Mm-hmm. Her case was also used to spread the message of if you see something, say something, because it can really affect people. And her brother made a documentary all about her case and the way that it's affected people, which is really awesome. And yeah. he actually cites her murder as one of the main reasons when he got out of high school I just want to tell the story really quick because it's amazing and he's clearly an amazing person. But when he got out of high school, he enlisted in the army and became part of the Vietnam War and he lost his legs in the war. And he said he has this great um, quote where he, he just talks about and it really like kind of broke my heart. But he talks about he was lying in this um, like field I think it was like a rice patty and he had gotten his legs cut off and he's just lying there and he said that he was thinking about Kitty, thinking about if that's what it felt like when she realized that no one was going to help her. Oh my gosh. But luckily he was saved by some Marines who um, came and found Rah. him. But That's just too real, especially yeah. if you're that close to her. 
yeah, so he spent a lot of his life just trying to kind of uphold her legacy and promote the message of if you see something, say something. And he's just obviously a veteran, so good on him. Yeah, and it's like there was a in the DC Metro, they have these kind of uh, video thing, and it's it's an acronym. St- it's an acronym. Uh, stop. And basically the idea is if you see someone getting harassed, you should stop it and it stands for something like sidetrack. Uh, I forget what it, all the things are, but you're supposed to stop people from doing that. And in my head, it's like when I see that, it's my natural reaction to try to, you know, stop, mm-hmm. help that person if I, if it seems to me that they're getting harassed, you know? And it's kind of weird with the bystander effect, some people might actually need to see that sign and that little video telling them to stop people. Instead of it just being... Yeah, instead of it kind of just being like natural for you to want to stop something bad like that happening. Yeah, and I think a lot of people can say what you just said about knowing when something's wrong, but it's it's scary. I'm sure I've walked by something and not realized someone was making someone uncomfortable. Yeah, but definitely that. But even if you see somebody in a very dangerous situation, if somebody has a gun, if you're like downtown really late and somebody yeah. has like, somebody's at gunpoint, intervening with that could immediately lead to your death. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I think. And I'm not trying to protect. I mean, I mean, not trying to protect um or take sides of anybody. But of course, that's just a really. I know what you mean. Thing. Like it that it's scary. But why yeah. would you not call the cops? Yeah. Please? Exactly. Like. Even if I saw something and I was scared of it and I didn't want to intervene myself, I would still want to call the cops. And I guess the other thing that bothers me is that Kitty was kind of a small person and this is a bigger guy attacking her. And it's like if you have any, obviously she's not going to be able to push this big guy who with a knife off of her mm-hmm. but it's like he doesn't have a gun it's not like he can just kill you in a second so if you even have a chance of like hitting this guy or being able to stand up to him like i don't understand why you wouldn't take that because and the girl who eventually did run down was yeah she was willing she was willing to run down regardless of whether or not her safety mattered yeah and that's like what I don't understand. What more? I think I think that I want to believe that I would be like that, but I also know that if you were in that situation, there's kind of it's just your instincts What's take the guy's, over. Uh, Robert is that the guy who said uh, get away from the girl or yeah, yeah. When you see, did he see the guy run away? Yeah. At that point, I don't know. I would go down there. Yeah, exactly. But, like if I saw the guy run away. Yeah, she'd been stabbed twice, and she had yelled yeah. out, "I'm someone is stabbing me." Why would you not go down there and just make sure she's all right? Even if you didn't know she was getting stabbed. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And that doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm just glad that we have like phones now. Yeah. For calling. For yeah. Ca- for calling. And uh, speaking of the calling, that is another thing that this case kind of brought around. Her murder is the reason that the 911 emergency calling system was put Beep, into boop, place boop. so that the police would be able to distinguish, you know, like back Back then, it was more of and like the police couldn't really distinguish like what's an emergency and what's just like calling the police, calling for, the police for yeah, something. Yeah, for like so extra security. At an event. Because of the 911 emergency calling system, the police are able to distinguish what's an immediate emergency. And uh-huh. it also helps that all citizens would know this is the number to call if you need help it's and really the police easy. are around. It's easy for, for you. Yeah. And that was almost a direct 
outcome of this case. So even though this case is a tragedy, it kind of does give an interesting perspective, I think, just on how people are and the fact that it is kind of in our nature to sometimes push off what we could do onto somebody else and just assume someone else would do it. And it shows to me kind of the importance of being willing to step up to protect someone else. And so that is the tragic story of the murder of Kitty Genovese, a sister, a fun bartender, and a person who unfortunately was taken far too soon. Was that scripted? That ending was written. Yeah, I thought so. That sounded too good. Thank you. I I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, I wanted take to know. It as one. Yeah, I wanted to be able to know what to say because it's just it. It's hard to wrap up. It is hard to wrap up, especially when it's so sad, you know. And she was so like, they didn't wake up Mr. Winston and make him serve another thirty years. No, they did not. Unfortunately, <laughs> he sat. Up, we grabbed him from the electric chair, just gave him a wake shot. Up. He was okay, but. <laughs> Yeah, that's that case is crazy because it's so sad at so many different turns, but it's also so monumental just in obviously 911 is a huge part of police work today and well even just uh getting someone there on the scene to help her medically. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah, and it also just I think that it's obviously drastically improved response times probably and yeah, ability definitely. to catch emergencies when you can. So you're sending people who are trained, so that yeah. will give the people who were who would ask the question, I don't want to be involved because of safety, that gives them the option to help by sending people who are trained. Yeah, so these people who were, you know, calling their friend, they would have had to go to a phone book probably unless they had their local police station's number memorized. They'd have to go to the phone book find the number, dial the number, and then explain the situation that the cops need to be there. Yeah, it's just a bummer that it took a 28-year-old girl being murdered viciously for people, for that problem to be realized. Yeah. Because it's sad that it is a good thing that happened, but it's just so sad that it had to come out of such a tragedy. they, They didn't have, like, contacts in their phone either. Like, now we could even have the number of our local police station... In our phones, but nine one one is definitely. But nine one one is definitely easier to just remember. Yeah, and the cool thing from, is, well, I was gonna say payphone. Everyone really set this up. If you have an iPhone, you can set up so that if you click your home button five times, yeah, it's the power a screen, button. yeah, or the power button, right? Yeah, if you click that five times, you can Back dial nine one one and have your medical ID up on your phone. Yeah, just in I've case accidentally done that a couple times, like in <laughs> class. It, goes, it counts down from three, and it goes ah. Uh, and then Miss McGlock looks at me. She's like, "What the hell are you doing?" You're like, "I don't know." <laughs> and then the, the ambulance shows up. And yeah, it's nice. But that's a good resource wow. we have now. But yeah, you just have to kind of consider that this is the '60s, so none of that was yeah in place. But yeah. yeah, so that's that is a very very important case, but a very very sad one. And people out there, don't be a bystander. Be a Robert. Be well, a hero. Be better than a Robert. Yeah. Be better than a Robert. Yeah, that's be. true. Be a hero or be someone that can dial 911. It's not too bad. Not too yeah, hard. It's a, more yeah, than Robert. one person. It's okay to call 911 more than once if for the same crime. 
yeah. get a bunch of people to call. The, yeah. <laughs> they're not going to awkwardly say, ooh, we already got that one. Sorry. Yeah, we got that one already. Yeah, sorry. So, it's like 911 just, just hung up on yeah, me. 911 just, just straight ghosted me. me. What <laughs> yeah. is going on? You've been ghosted by 911. <laughs> 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 yes. Okay. So on that rather sad and a little bit strange note, we're going to move on to my favorite segment of the show. Happy things. All right. I have to so, look through my camera roll to see something that happened that was happy. Then I will have Harley. Uh, I have to go through my camera roll to Okay, see then it looks like I'm going there's first. anything happy in my life. Happy things. Let's think about this. <laughs> I am going to Italy in <gasps> two days. What the frick? Wait, who's going to do that? Are you bringing your podcast set up? No, this is all... I'm I'm ahead enough that I'll have enough episodes oh, okay, to good. get through the vacation. But, um, and I also just got back from D.C. with Harley. So, yeah, those are my, my happy things are probably... I just went on vacation and I'm about to go on vacation again, which is really exciting because just, you know, being on vacation is nice and being on vacation is fun. Are so, you going to visit any murder houses? Yes, I <gasps> am. Yeah! Well, not Murder House. I'm going to visit this place called the Church of Bones, okay. which Ooh. all of the stuff in like the lanterns and all the decorations inside of this church are made of human bones. Ew, so I'm going to visit nasty. that. And then I'm Sun going picks. to visit um, a spot where one of the serial killers who we're going to be covering in a few weeks uh, where the first murder was. Ooh. So I cannot name this person because... Wait. Wait, who is it? Who is it? I can't tell because I don't. I don't want it to be a spoiler. It's Ted Bundy again. It's a radioactive Ted Bundy. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's that's my happy thing. Is just vacation and yeah, all that good stuff. Cool. Harley, what's your happy thing? Yeah, idiot, go. Wait, no, I say Chase goes first. But I don't know anything yet. One sec. Well, I guess there's a number of happy things. Uh, being in DC was pretty awesome. Aw. Um, wait, why do you say ah? I don't know why she said ah. I'm just some rando wait, she picked up get, on the street. Did you guys go together? Yes. That's nasty. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> nasty. Uh, oh. The DC area has some of the greatest water ever. Drinking water drinking, or swimming water? Dr- uh, drinking water. Okay. Because uh, there's this brand called Deer Park. Hashtag Deer, Deer Park. Park. Deer Park. It's incredible. It sounds like Deer that Park. That is your like Deer Park. It made me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love this water. I went to D.C. on an eighth grade trip, mm-hmm. and all of us were obsessed with, with this water. And you it came back so for good. It. Yeah, that's the reason so, I went to okay, D.C. Okay, Deer Park. I want uh, what a 24 case. Is that like the standard water bottle? I, I want know. a 24 case of bottled water. Set I got like a, right like a now. liter, I think. That's a th- yeah, we went into 7-Eleven and he bought water. Yeah, it, it was, was like, ah, oh, I'm so ready for this water. I had my body is ready. Time. Oh my god, it was so good. I loved it. Um, I've started a how-to series of highlights on my Instagram, which you guys are not going to follow. Follow him right now. Do not follow me. I will reject you. Um, follow his media account. But oh yeah, you can follow me at. Oki Media, O K I M E D I A, Oki Media. You can follow that one, and you can probably um, find his personal account through that as yeah, well. Yeah, you probably can, but you won't. <laughs> um, Drake 
ha- is very he's pretty athletic and yesterday Drake is our friend. Yeah. Drake. Friend of the podcast. Friend of yeah. You'll be on it someday. Yeah. Um we had a dinner with friends last night and I invited Drake over. So we have these cushions, these seat cushions, like out outdoor seating cushions. And then Sydney, she finds a She's hula his hoop. girlfriend. Yeah, I'm, there's some context. Sydney finds these hula hoops, and me being the circus leader I am, I'm like, Drake, jump through this hoop onto these padded outdoor cushions. And we make Drake jump through a series of hoops with varying Literally. levels. <laughs> yeah. We go, we, he jumped probably like the feet, the hoop was probably like four and a half feet up at one point. Dang. And then we started doing um, like skinny boy tests, which we got two hula hoops and pretty much made it into a Venn diagram. And he <laughs> jumped through the middle part until he oh got, my gosh. yeah, he, we made it very small. He had to go sideways at some point, but that was pretty fun. Um, that's awesome yeah that's so summer yeah that's very you summer can, uh, it's can, not as cool as deer park water but deer park, liter- deer park literally sounds like it sounds a place like- where you can park your deer and washington would be the place that they'd have deer parking <laughs> <laughs> yay those were our happy things guys and on that note i think we're gonna end out this podcast good Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Horrible Things. We are on social media all over the place at Horrible Things Podcast, or you could email us at uh, horriblethingspodcast at gmail.com. Please go ahead and leave a rate and review on iTunes if you can, or uh, leave some comments. Tell me how you you feel about the podcast, what you like, what you don't like. We want to hear from you. So thank you guys so much, of course, for listening and coming back. We hope to see you next week. And... Of course, remember, you can achieve immortality by getting multiple life sentences. Don't be a bystander. And most importantly, don't Don't do do horrible horrible things. things. Okay, and the music is going to come in now. Hey, yeah, yeah, hey, hey, yeah, hey, 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 yeah.